Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Adam, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, I'm feeling uh, quite powerful this evening. I'm, feel- I'm feeling quite powerful as well, because as you guys know, it's Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. Bef- it's, before- it's post-Thanksgiving when you listen to this. It's pre-Thanksgiving when we record it. You understand. Yeah. So um, you've had your turkey, and now it's Christmas, I guess. <laughs> that is how it works. That is that is legally how it works. But right now, as we know from last year, uh, every Thanksgiving episode is now just going to be a Power Pack episode. Or at least these ones are. We're going to see. We'll see if we remember next year. But this one's also a Power Pack episode. <laughs> well, and it's great, because Power Pack is all about family. And uh, this time, we're actually going to talk about some more recent power pack stories than we have in our past episodes i think uh our last power pack episode was all 80s power pack it was uh zach rabaroff joined us for that that's one. right our buddy yeah, zach. this one is uh mostly 2000s though we will hit uh a really good fun 80s issue as well oh oh we picked <laughs> a weird 80s one <laughs> a very Again, x-men one you remember you ever wonder I know there's I know there's people who have to be like, why aren't they talking about X-Men this week? And I'm gonna say we are, shut up. Oh, we are. Because Power Pack. We're not is... talking about Hyperion this week. We got that going for us. <laughs> no, Did this we get is any actually, bad reviews uh, about that? I didn't check. I assume I, I, several I didn't see people. Any wait, really? Did people say No, I don't freaking know. I I stay out of that. It's unhealthy for me. I yeah. I tried to do that before, and all of my friends told me to shut up and go to therapy. Have I? <laughs> Let's not talk about that right now. <laughs> no, there's uh, there's. I did not see any negative Hyperion feedback, but this is a even more X Men centric episode, even though it's all power packs. So where are we starting here, uh, Zach? We are going to start with our request that comes to us from Jeff and Rick present, uh, which. Do you know what Jeff and Rick present? Sounds like a podcast to me. Uh, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, uh, which is a Power Pack podcast, which I was on, where we covered, oddly enough, uh, the Marvel Age Annuals. Oh. And Girl Comics number three. That's an interesting combo there. <laughs> It was it was it was a fun time. We drank beer. We talked about power, power pack, um, and uh, one of the uh, one of the stories in there is actually very relevant uh, to what we are talking about today. Oh, cool! All right. Uh, so thanks, Jeff and Rick. By the way, yeah, I hope we do you proud. Um, we're gonna start off with uh, X Men Power Pack. And uh, this is coming to us from Mark Sumerak and Guru Hero. Okay, yes, it is. Hey, let's start with this. This is a 2005 miniseries, uh, four issues. They were doing a lot of power pack stories uh, in like this smaller uh, format. Uh, they had a couple of different creatives. Sumerak does the majority of it. 
Uh, but Gurahiru uh, does the art, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you. Love Gurahiru art. Ah, oh, just a really clean cartoon style. I think he's only uh, they. Gurahiru is two people. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. They are Japanese. I've not looked any deeper on who they are because they want to be credited as Guru Hero, and I'm fine with being like, that's y'all. That's your your creative studio. It's two of them. They do, they do stuff. Wow, I had no idea. I always thought it was a singular individual, but... Uh, uh, no, it's it looks like, actually, now that I have uh, pulled up their pictures, uh, it's, it's two women from uh, uh, Sapporo, Japan. Well, there you go. Alright, this is good. We are correcting the number of people We've got the correct gender, um, and uh, hopefully we've got the pronouns correct uh, at this point. But Guru Hero's art has only gotten better over the years. Um, this is like early to mid-2000s we're talking here, like uh, probably around what, 2005? This is 05, yep. Yeah, and this is a series of Power Pack crossover mini-series that um, Guru Hero illustrated. And um, this one starts at Halloween, uh, we've got a little bit of a, con- uh, a costume contest that the Power Pack kids are attending. And we quickly are learning who the worst member of Power Pack are right off the bat. It's Jack. Here's the thing <laughs> about the Power Pack. Alex, he's great. Julie, she's great. Katie, she's great. Jack is also there. <laughs> Jack is that uh, one sibling who cannot stop like uh, annoying you in the road trip. He is constantly a nudge. And uh, gets captured very well right off the bat here. Jack's um, got significant middle child syndrome. Oh yeah, but, but it's like it's like secondary middle child syndrome because it's not the I feel like I am not important, so I'm just going to isolate myself. It's I feel like I'm not important, so I'm going to be the worst. And I understand he's a child, but he is fictional. <laughs> So I can make fun of him. <laughs> yes. Um, Jack has decided to dress as Wolverine to the uh, town co- costume party. And uh, he is convinced he's going to win the costume contest and quickly realizes that every child, every boy who is attending this party is also dressed as some form of Wolverine, which is kind of fun to see all the different Wolverines that people are dressed up as. It does rule because you get a lot of weird Wolverines. You get the mesh shirt Wolverine from the Crimson Dawn stuff. You get there also the, appears to be a mom dressed as Dark Claw, which is pretty great. <laughs> there's, it's a, it's a beautiful page. Your hero does a fantastic job with this. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and Jack understandably gets uh, frustrated because now he feels like he's not going to win. There's a lot of Wolverines. Mm-hmm. He goes stomping off out of the barn party into the forest, and then oops, Sabretooth's there fighting the real Wolverine. Uh, the real Wolverine is like a soft parody of himself, which I love. <laughs> it's like, it respects Wolverine as a character, but also they do have him like say catchphrases constantly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and obviously Sabretooth is not as murderous as he normally is, um, but they get a He's chance not as to... murderous as he normally is in Power Pack comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the actual crossover. I mean, actually, this is probably a good opportunity to say that I, you mentioned before we got on that this is not necessarily supposed to be in continuity with the rest of, you know, it's Marvel. It's not. It's not. They were doing, they were doing the, this whole Power Pack uh, 
era was just like a separate thing. Uh, they weren't appearing in 616 comics at the time. Uh, but it was like, we are we are keeping these outside of it. I don't know how much of that was uh, just to keep your hero's schedule clean. How much of that was to be new reader friendly? Because this is a young readers line, more or less. Mm-hmm. This is for kids. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I but it doesn't matter. To, yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. I think it's fantastic. Um, so they defeat Sabretooth. Uh, Jack eventually gets uh, to win the costume contest because he is now like authentically battle scarred i think and Which we get is very funny that wolverine loses <laughs> his own costume contest he he does think he's gonna win which is beautiful it's great um i love the second issue they end up at a science uh exhibition like a science fair for for adults ex, ex, uh, exhibitors beast is there uh giving like a presentation on a what is it like a superhero detecting device and uh mystique steals it while dressed up well not dressed up uh, while pretending to be the power's father doing doing her thing yes uh so it's it's beast and the power pack versus uh mystique who also turns into juggernaut who also turns into a giant demon uh there's a little bit of a science lesson here and it's it's a focus focus issue on julie uh for this one each one of these four focuses on a different member of the power pack Mm -hmm. uh so number three is a is Nightcrawler and Katie Power, uh, which I think is probably the weakest of these four. Well, uh, it centers around a, uh, a a hypnotic uh, circus. Um, yeah, center ring. What do they call the guy? Uh, the Circus of Crime. You know, Adam. Wait, Adam. is this like an actual thing? Adam. This... Adam. Yeah. Adam. Yeah, hello. You you know about the Circus of Crime, don't you? I didn't know about the Circus of Crime. Is this like an existing villain team? The Circus of Crime was introduced in The Incredible Hulk 3. Wow. Okay. I'm behind on this the times. Is, the Circus of Crime is not new. The Circus of Crime has 78 616 appearances. They wow. were in Generation X. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait, you've read... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because this is, this is pertinent to uh, the current times. You've yes. read the Matt Fraction, David Aha Hawkeye run, right? Yes, I have. Matt Hollinsworth does the colors, and yes, I'm not thinking of all the other creators who are great on that book, including Javier Peludo. Annie Wu. Uh, Annie Wu, who's fantastic. Uh, Chris Eliopoulos, who also letters the book. Uh, Francisco Francovella, who does some issues. That's every, Is that everyone? Am I missing somebody? I think you got most of them. Are you telling me the circus is in that, and I just forgot? The Circus of Crime is in issue two. Okay, I need to go back and read that. You should, because here's the thing. I end up reading it every year, and here's... I Listen, folks, I've not watched the show yet. You're going to get a lot of Hawkeye hype in the last little bit, and there's going to be some of you who are like, I don't know, maybe people are overselling this comic. Let me tell you what, the Fraction Aha Hawkeye is why I do what I do. Because that comic, I had been buying some floppies before. That comic clicked yeah, in a way that very few comics clicked. It opened up the world of, oh, this is what comics can be. And this is what sequential storytelling can do. Take away the entire narrative of it. AHA's sequentials in that are stunning. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wu's work. I, I love Annie's work on that book. Um, all right. So I, I guess it slipped my mind that there was a Circus of Evil. The Circus of Evil is here as well. Circus of Crime. Circus of Crime, Adam. Please get their name right. It's right, so whatever. important. They're a circus. It's, they no, they it's hypnotize so, people to steal from it's them. It's so important that we give the proper respect to the Circus of Crime. Do do we really have to respect them? Yes. Are they worthy of our respect? Yes. No. Next question. They're a Jack Kirby creation. Name one <laughs> what bad, does that bad Jack Kirby creation. So are the Eternals. I mean, should we You get... can't say the Eternals. They don't count. <laughs> wait, wait. Why don't they count? <laughs> they weren't created by Jack Kirby? No, Eternals are just bad. Hey, hold on. This Uh-oh, is you wild. just got into a fight with some of your uh, colleagues. <laughs> they know. What I do appreciate about about the Circus of Shenanigans is that uh, they they get uh, Nightcrawler to join their forces, which is kind of great because Nightcrawler is a circus kid and uh, thinks he's just going back and hanging out with an old circus buddy, which doesn't really make sense. Um, He had friends. Hold on. No, he had friends in the circus in the United States. They say that his friend came over. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, okay. He makes a point of it. Okay. He said they lost touch. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know how big the circus industry is. Also, I'm pretty sure the circus industry historically is made up. <laughs> really? I don't think it's real. Is this like birds? <laughs> no, I think I think in, you know the way that comics is in a real business. Oh, I feel oh, like oh, oh. I feel like circus makes comics look like a real business. Hmm. I feel like the concept of carnies came from that, and that's like the go-to. Yeah. For not a real business and actually ripping you off like comics is. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, after the Circus of Crime, uh, you know, pickpockets everybody. Um, Katie Power does help Nightcrawler defeat the Circus of Crime. And then, in the meantime, hypnotizes Jack to squawk like a chicken whenever she snaps, which is delightful. It's great. Anytime we can rag on Jack, that's what we want. Um <laughs> But then we get to X-Men and Power Pack number four, where in a very interesting move, Alex Power is like really anxious because he's a 10 year old and he just met Cyclops. And for him being the older brother, Cyclops just like gives off a lot of older brother energy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, no. Also, Cyclops chastises him by saying, haven't you children done enough? (laughs) <laughs> yeah cyclops is uh not very kind here and cyclops uh, historically is bad with children <laughs> i don't think listen listen you leave one of them in alaska <laughs> and then send the same one to the future uh he didn't want to be up he just didn't he didn't want to deal with the toddler phase and i appreciate that cyclops man. i hear you i had it's my son's third birthday today i understand wanting to jump past certain parts of it Ah, well, happy birthday, and, um, you know, I I hope you don't leave him in Alaska. <laughs> Haven't planned on it. Haven't planned on it. Uh, so Katie uh, is, uh, you know, kind of crushing a little dating uh, romance subplot with a, a boy who is working for none other than Dr. Essex. Now, we all know who that is. Um but we'd already seen the Marauders kick Power Pack's butt earlier in this issue. And uh, it all comes to a head in Mr. Uh, Sinister's lab when Power Pack and... Well, it's actually mainly Power Pack because they have to save Cyclops. Yeah, the pa- Power Pack saves the day. 
and it's really fun. Uh, Mr. Sinister is pre Kieran Gillen, Mr. Sinister, which is fine. It's just not as now that I now that I've tasted tasted the the nectar of the promised land, the milk and the honey. I <laughs> it's hard for me to go back to Mr. Sinister. Yeah, this is kind of like animated series. Uh, Mr. Sinister, he's he's not very sassy. But, um, you know, he's like, watch your back, kids. I'm Addy. And uh, Cyclops gives Alex the uh, the props he desired from the beginning of the issue. I think altogether, these are really fun stories. Uh, this is the kind of thing that you might put into a digest format and get a kid into these characters. It's a, it's a great introduction. I feel like yeah the uh power pack did these all did get collected into digests mm-hmm. uh because marvel was doing a bit of that uh with their tsunami line oh, uh, that they were doing before this with like runaways uh that sentinel book the mystique book mm-hmm. uh, so they were they were trying to do this unfortunately at the time and this is mostly true now marvel had no idea as a publishing company how to sell to children which is Buck wild because Adam, if you haven't noticed, the kids do love Marvel. Well, wasn't it? It's my understanding that um, Marvel never really participated in like scholastic book fairs at well, schools. Well, because because Scholastics wasn't publishing them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, there, now they have a weird they, like they have publishing, publishing deal with. They have a they have a publishing deal with Scholastics now that does their kids comics. I've read I've read several of them because um, I have children and they're pretty uh, they're pretty good actually. Good. There's, some, there's some really there's some really fun stuff, uh, and it's it's worth checking out. So they are they are now penetrating that market, which is great. You know what? I'm glad that uh, Disney has a tighter grasp on the heartstrings of our youth uh, through Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I think this would be a great comic for you know kids who are interested in checking out these characters, but don't necessarily want to get bogged down in continuity or anything like that. I actually um, may read this series to my son. Like, yeah, like, hey buddy, do you want to do you want to read about kids superheroes? Because he likes Shazam, yeah, Captain Marvel, whatever. Guys, I'm not getting into the whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think this is a nice companion to, and we'll talk about Franklin Richards later in the episode, but. Um, Chris Eliopoulos, who you mentioned earlier, had done a series of one shots about Franklin Richards that are kind of done in that um, he does kind of like a Calvin and Hobbes style uh, drawing style. And those are a lot of fun, too, and kind of get you into the world of Fantastic Four. This is really cool. You get to know the power pack. You get to know some of the X-Men. And um, there's there's a bunch of these. There's Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk. And we'll talk about another one in a second. Um, but we should probably try and rank this. I think this might be a little tricky, actually. I think it might be tricky, but I think it actually... I think it'll be less tricky than you are anticipating for very specific reasons that we'll get into. But what's important is that we rank things on our big old list of all of the X-Men comics that have ever existed. Uh, from best to worst, with the best X-Men comic that's ever existed uh, being the House of X, The Powers of Ten. Uh, the 100th comic being Wolverine Dupe. Uh, the 200th comic... Uh, X-Men versus the Agents of Atlas, uh, the 300th comic, uh, Uncanny X-Men 179, What Happened to Kitty, uh, number 400 on this old list here is Daydreamers, uh, number 500 is Wolverine Origins, Romulus, uh, and the 579th 
uh, X-Men story of all time, the worst X-Men story is the Draco. Okay, so, Adam, here's what I did. Yeah, I want, I'm curious how you're approaching this. I looked at where Power Pack stories are on our list already. Yes. Our highest ranked, well, our highest ranked story with Power Pack is Wounded Wolf, because that's fantastic. Yep. I have thoughts about that. We're actually going to circle back to that one. But the highest ranked issue of Power Pack is Power Pack 19, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, uh, where Power Pack does Thanksgiving dinner. It's fantastic. Beta Ray. That one's better. That one's better than this. (laughs) I would agree, but I think we're probably still in... Okay, I'm sorry. You were going to go to 211 here. 211 is Power Pack 20, Proto-Inferno, where they kind of do Inferno. Yes. Yep. I think think, we're... I was going to say, I think this is better than that. I think we're right in that, like, that... We're in the right spot here, you know? These comics are all still good. Like they are, they're around fantastic. It's good. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, I think this is really consistent. The art is fantastic, and it just gives a really clear depiction of all the characters. It's very smart writing. So I think we're in the right spot. Um, I think we're comparable to something like two hundred seven, which is Uncanny X Men two thirty one, where Colossus pretends to be a ghost. I agree. I'd also say this is. Not better than number 205, which is Uncanny X-Men Madripoor Knights. I agree. Uh, you know, the, the incredibly famous comic that's probably too low on this list. How do you feel about it being uh, above or below Kitty Pride and Wolverine at 208? I like this better than Kitty Pride and Wolverine. I do, I too. Also, I'm not as hot on Kitty Pride and Wolverine as others. Yeah. Uh, you know what? This is... This is probably better than X-Men Endangered Species. I agree. So that would put it right below uh, Madripoor Knights, and that would make this our new 206. It would. Great showing, Power Pack. This is a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to continue that fun because not only did they hang out with X-Men, but there's a whole four issues devoted to hanging out with just Wolverine. Which, to be fair, is the the X-Men member the Power Pack are friends with. Exactly. Right? You just mentioned like, Wounded Wolf. Historically, that's their friend Wolverine. He's the guy. He's the guy. Uh, this this one's from 2009. Same creative team on three out of the four. Uh, but the last, or number three in this, uh, Hero takes a break. They still do the cover. But Scott Koblish does our uh, pencils and inks. Mm-hmm. And first page, we got uh, Sauron is here at, at a natural history museum of all places. <laughs> yeah, they fight Sauron with pretty, Wolverine. Pretty great. Uh, they they knock it's him fun. silly with a, tyra- a T-Rex skeleton. Kind of hard to beat that. They do. The second one, uh, they go in. Wolverine invited them to the school. So they then go to the school and they deal with Sentinels. And they don't like dealing with Sentinels. This one, that standalone issue is really fantastic. Um, they get invited by Wolverine to the school and Cyclops is like, hey, it's great that you want to check the place out, but like, let's just, and Wolverine says the same thing. Like, let's just be clear. You're not mutants. You're not allowed to stay. And they're like, this place is amazing. Why wouldn't anyone want to be here? And they're basically like, well, we're actually a persecuted minority. And, oh, look, here come the robots that are trying to kill our, kill our entire group of people. Uh, you know, and they, they get it. 
You know, like they they kind of learn that it, maybe it's not a great thing to to you know. <laughs> it is know. a surprisingly deft handling of what is a pretty tricky issue and one that a lot of especially young white men struggle with, and that is that sometimes there are certain places where marginalized people need to have their own space mm-hmm. and not have to not have to be othered even when they're the people around them have the best of intentions like it's good that that exists it's here's here's a secret a bunch of the guys from the delta chi fraternity at my college it's okay that the society of women engineers exists and that people can go in it and yes technically by the school bylaws they have to allow men to join the society of women engineers but you do look like a real dummy when you do that is that true that's 100 percent true i can <laughs> okay. tell i can tell you the names of the of the oh, people i fellas. am still on linkedin with them because just in case i need a job at some point i'm oh, not above fellas. begging Oh, fellas. Don't do that, folks. <laughs> no, of course. It's a pretty good issue. <laughs> yeah, and and of course, at the end, Jack, being the jerk that he is, basically goes over the line and is like, who would ever want to be a mutant while the entire, like, young X-Men, uh, new X-Men team is standing in front of him. It's great. Um, I know Jack's intentionally the worst, but Jack is the worst. Jack is the worst. Um, now, the issue that Koblish does is interesting because it's a time travel issue and we get to go back in time with herbie the robot and franklin uh to when wolverine was little jimmy howlett oh we're talking about we're talking about we're talking about wee little wee little fancy lad jimmy howlett (laughs) he's got his little dainty collar on and he's not not too brave this issue is very much making fun of uh wolverine origin which I appreciate. It is also taking it to the logical conclusion of, well, why wouldn't Dainty Boy Wolverine have a adventure? And yeah. that's fun. Yeah. It's, it is it is very fun that like we as readers know what's happening long before the characters in the story do. And that's a very that's a very fun place to be in this one because they're not trying to hide anything. But the story's way better if these two children don't know what Wolverine's old secret name is when he was a dainty boy. Yeah, the, the reveal comes at the end when Herbie uh, says that there's a genetic, 100% genetic profile match between Jimmy and Wolverine. And everybody's just like, you've got to be kidding me. That little, little kid, you know? Listen, like... he, he deals with a lot in the intervening years. He goes through some stuff. Yeah. Uh, so who was expecting a, a prequel to, to origin <laughs> from power? What I, Wolverine what I 30, like, but... I actually like that they retain the fact that John Hallett, his dad, is mm-hmm. he's, he's like a pretty chill dude. Yeah. He's pretty good. He's like, yeah, James gets sick sometimes. He's a, he'll, he'll grow out of it. He's fine. And then he gets really mad at his grandpa. He's like, you're kind of being a jerk. Uh, to my son and i don't appreciate it it's true it's true uh our the final issue here has uh, alex joining uh american ninja warrior 
and debating whether to use his powers or not. So, of course, they... Okay, so wait, hold on. This is important. Yes. When did America Ninja Warrior actually start? Because... This is not American Ninja Warrior. This is Japanese Ninja Warrior. Yeah, no, this is... Yeah, okay, so it... It had started airing on G4 Tech TV by this point. Okay, but it hadn't reached like TBS Max. Uh, Actually, no. Like it had not. It had not. It was just about to, uh, just about to hit G4 Tech TV. Wow. Uh, okay. But it was it was based on uh, Sasuke, the uh, Japanese game show that had been airing since 1997. That was. That is a that is Ninja Warrior. It's Ninja Warrior. That's what it is. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what this is. Of course, because they go to Japan, we get a Wolverine hand story intertwined uh, with this, which is a lot of fun. Um, you know, the kids are kind of like, "Wait a minute, we thought Tokyo was going to be cool. It's just like New York," <laughs> which I think is a little strange. I but. I do well. I love that they realize that at a certain time, at a certain point, when you get out of the big cultural and historic districts uh industrialized cities listen there's only so many ways you can do it <laughs> yeah. uh i think somewhere in this issue does, does wolverine say ninja please if he does i didn't remember it and i understand <laughs> it was 2009 and we were doing that <laughs> folks we got it we gotta not yeah that's no good so in, it's so important that we don't um, Alex does make the important decision not to use his powers in, uh, the, his Ninja Warrior trial and falls immediately into a puddle. Immediately. Doesn't, boy doesn't even come close to winning. <laughs> it was great. It's, it's a nice, uh, you know, sort of realization that you shouldn't abuse the, the powers that you have and uh this is a nice uh quartet of stories it's not as character focused um as the the first series we were talking about this is much more group group story of of all four of the siblings but the way they work wolverine into each one of these is really fun yeah it's a again it is almost exactly the same level of good as this x-men power pack series and i'm I get the feeling that all of these power pack uh, team up stories are the exact same level of good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting I... to feel like Guru Hero's art. We know him. We love him. Fantastic. Love some Guru Hero. We also know, actually, I didn't know Mark Sumerick doing a really bang up job with this. Yeah. I was, I, I was very impressed. I had not read any of these before, and I am definitely going to go and read uh, the other ones, the other the other character crossovers, because I just think this is a lot of fun. Um, I'm always game for a really good all-ages book, and uh, I think this is just, again, introducing concepts from the, the timeline of Wolverine in a way that's very reader-friendly and still kind of fits in. Like, you could have that origin story... And it fits into the time. I know we're not like technically telling canonical stories here, but 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 if we wanted to, but if you wanted to, it fits in, right? If we wanted, if we wanted to, we could make we could make things work. We could say, <laughs> oh yeah, we had the exact same adventure just in the six one six. Shut up, everybody! Right? Don't worry about it. 
Just keep it. Keep that on the down low. We don't need. We don't need to deal with this one. <laughs> we don't need it. We don't need to care. How many people? How many? How many? How many people besides you, me, and Tom Brevoort are going to be continuity sticklers for Power Pack Volume Three and the subsequent miniseries and how that does or doesn't fit into the Power Pack and or the rest of the Marvel universe? If it's fun and doesn't hurt anything, then it should be canonical. I agree. I agree. Now you mentioned this is pro- probably on par. Uh, with what we just read, I think the X-Men ones might be a smidge better than this. Um, if only because I think, I it, think so, it gives you that individual character focus on each of them. Um, but I, I still think this one has its own highlights too. You know, the, the X-Mansion issue is really great. The origin issue is really great. So, um, what are you thinking here? I think we just put it right below X-Men Power Pack. I love it. I think, let's let's I think keep we put it, simple. it exactly below it. Like, yes, <laughs> we can agree that the X-Men one's better. Go pick up these series. Like, Absolutely. It's on the app. These ones are fun, and you probably missed them. Yep. Worst case, it's a lot of your hero art. Mm-hmm. I, I don't that, see how most how any reader who loves Marvel comics would not enjoy these. They're just they're fun. They explore the universe and uh, they're really enjoyable. Yeah, no, I um, I agree. One thing these do lack is what yes. you mentioned earlier, and that is that Power Pack of the '80s is not in all ages. Well, it was meant to be read i think by by kids and and families and and readers of all ages but it is a much different book in that the kids do actually exist within the 616 and a lot of times the the surroundings the the context of what's happening around power pack is not like aged down or 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 made to be more all ages it's just here's things that were happening like the mutant massacre and here's Power yeah, we, Pack. We were talking about this off air. Uh, so I do want to give a bit of context. And yes, Adam, I forget which of our many conversations are recorded and which ones aren't <laughs> at any given time. So yeah. I don't know. Fill, I don't know fill our I'm, listeners into what we were talking about. Uh, the thing I've noticed the most about Power Pack, and it's, it's partly compared to those, you know, very much young reader, all ages stories that we just covered, uh, but also involving some of the stuff more recently with power pack is that the louise simonson and company power packs they were just writing superhero stories like just the same stories that the x-men or x-factor or daredevil or anybody could be in but the leads were children like that's that's what it was like they were doing spider-man stories but that ch- there were children in there we have we have pointed out multiple x-men stories that they literally beat for beat do Mm -hmm. that are later repeated in x-men and it's it works because it's such a juxtaposition of power pack being kids and the real quote-unquote marvel universe it doesn't file off the edges and i think something that's special about power pack gets lost when you're doing you know a full all ages one like the sumerek and guru stuff or if you're dealing with the power pack of today where they have been aged up uh, in such a way that like Alex and Julie are young adults, Katie is not a like preschool or kindergartner. She is a 
Uh, she's like the age that Alex and Julie were. She right. is a preteen. Yeah. Like, it's... You tell different stories with the that age group, and we are used to teen heroes. In the Power Pack, we're never teen heroes. Like, maybe Alex was 13. I don't know how old he was supposed to be. Honestly, that feels a little old for, like, original flavor Alex. I think that's pushing it, honestly. I mean, these are supposed to be very young kids. And uh, the issue we're talking about here is Power Pack 36. Oh, yeah, um, we should have introduced what issue we're actually going to be talking about. Um, this is a John Bogdanov joint. Uh, he is writing and drawing this particular issue. Um, inked by Hilary Barda, lettered by Joe Rosen, and colored by John Wellington. Um, can we talk about this cover for a second? Yeah. What a, this cover. what a cool cover. Um, it rules, actually. Uh, <laughs> you got Franklin Richards uh, and the Power Family. They're there. Franklin is hanging from the logo. Yep. Because grabbing the logo is Master Mold. Yeah, the giant robot hand of Master Mold is gripping the Power Pack sign and uh, just coming out of the bay here <laughs> it's so cool such a great image it's a dope logo and it's a dope image like this rules a ton Bogdanov kills it on this cover and Bogdanov's a great fit for this book really is um i think we've talked about this on the show before but the difficulty that a lot of comic book artists have in drawing children and Bogdanov does not have that problem. He draws these uh, these kids, and they look the ages they are supposed to look. Franklin Richards is our guest star here. He is being hunted in his dreams and later in reality by Master Mold, similarly to how Cyclops was in X-Factor as one of the 12. Franklin Richards is being identified as the 12th uh, several times in this issue, and Franklin looks like a kid. It really is impressive how he nails the the ages down. It's wild. It's very wild to me, personally, that the 12 became this whole big thing that was resolved by the time I was reading comics. Like, it was never a mystery for me what right. the 12 were. Yep. It was a mystery why they published it, but that's that's a whole we we have a whole episode. We, we have that. an episode about that. <laughs> it's it's a mystery. We have two actually. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's so weird how the twelve is based on a couple of times that Master Mold pops out of the water and starts ranting about nonsense. It's it makes very little sense. It's really unconnected to anything that Alan Davis was doing. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think this issue, because of some of the uh, the illustrations that Bogdanov does, actually gives you a much clearer picture of who many of the 12 are, um, right. including the future version of Franklin Richards. Um, but uh, right off the bat, like we're talking about kids being put in realistic situations like Marvel Comics. He's having this vision of, of Master Mold chasing him. Master Mold just straight up steps on him like squishes him to death in the in like the second page <laughs> like as he's waking up from this vision it's great 
yeah, it's Franklin's dealing with some stuff and he doesn't know how to process it right. Like he he his mom and dad are not leaving the Fantastic Four, but they're they're taking one of their many sabbaticals. Yes. They're taking one of their read overstepped a line, I assume, and then now now they have to they have to go and remember <laughs> that they're married and that they can't they're too valuable of IP as a married couple to actually deal with the fact that Reed Richards Bad husband. <laughs> Bad father. Potentially of the evil villain. You know, it just depends Love on the story. Love reading line. about him. Do not get it <laughs> twisted. Don't change Reed Richards. I would not continue my relationship with him. <laughs> if I if I were in Sue's shoes. And there have been many more does like to do a lot more murders, but does abs. I mean uh, yeah, Abslantis, right there. <laughs> the other thing I like about this is that uh, Franklin is basically just going to go and stay with the power family while uh, Reed and Sue are on this like mini honeymoon. Now, I like I like that their dad, James Power, uh, well, Simonson, uh, does be like, he gets very excited because they bring the Fantastic Car over and he's like, I want to see the Fantastic Car. <laughs> really cool I, I i would like to see this superhero car yes please honey margaret margaret dear may, maggie may I please go up and see the superhero car <laughs> there's a level of domesticity that i really like about power pack you know like there is still um that element of wonder both from the parents and from the kids um like even there's a sequence here earlier where Alex is cleaning. He's been in, put in charge of cleaning the bathroom and he's using his powers to do it. And Jack is like, you can't do that. Mom and dad are going to catch you. We're going to get in trouble. Um, but he's cleaning a bathroom. You know what I mean? That's not the kind of thing you might see in another superhero book. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. It's so great. I really enjoy this. It's fun. You get a lot of good stuff with the power pack. You get a lot of good Franklin Richards stuff. And I, I miss Franklin being a kid. I truly, truly do. I understand that. I understand that Dan Slott wanted a teenage Franklin for some reason. Um, but oh my gosh, do I miss. I like kids. Like, I love my sons. I have so much fun being a dad. I like seeing kids in comics, especially a kid like Franklin, who can be fun and doesn't have to deal with the angst of being a teen and the curse of being not even a mutant anymore, whatever the heck they did. It's, who cares? <laughs> who it's, cares? It's, it's tough because you, you on the one hand, uh, you know, want to have some fidelity with the character. But at the same time, it is difficult to say that for 50 years, 60 years of publishing continuity or whatever it is that, you know, we're going to keep this, this child at like five years old. That that's it's super easy. It's super easy. I'm not it's saying so it's so easy. I'm not saying the it's, Simpsons did it. <laughs> I know, but comics do have a sliding time scale. Um, do they hold on, hold on. Cause I've been thinking about this a lot. And by thinking about this, I mean, mostly been angry about it for 20 years. Okay, here we go. They don't really have a sliding time scale. They had a sliding time scale in the 60s. And then at a certain point, everyone said, wait, we can just not bring up years and ages. And it works just as well. <laughs> they don't have a sliding time scale. No one is no one is taking a protractor 
to every issue and be like, well, actually, this issue takes place over this month, but now with a sliding time scale and a one six is actually de- 10 years after the Fantastic Four. No, everything is 10 years after the Fantastic Four got their powers. That's exactly when everything happens, and it will always happen. And if they're six months later, guess what? The Fantastic Four just got their powers six months before. Shut up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's all there ever is. You're not wrong. Obviously, though, some of our characters in the Marvel Universe do get older and, uh, you know. They do at non-linear speeds. Of course. Of course. Mostly through time travel. What is great uh, here, though, is that not only are these characters kids, but they act like kids, too. So they have expressions that kids might have. They might be moping or or very excited. At one point, Franklin just, like, shouts for no reason, ain't I a superhero, too? You know, when when he's talking to Power Pack. And it's like, it's such a well-observed book about the behavior of kids um that that simonson is i realize louise isn't working on this particular issue but bogdanoff is doing she's, just the she's same a close collaborator with johnny boggs yeah so long even after this yeah even after they both leave marvel uh and wheezy was doing the issue before and the issue after so right and so you know when it comes time for there to actually be the quote-unquote mandated superhero fight in here and it's master mold our kids are sitting on the swing set you know what I mean? And then we switch over into action mode. Um, it's it's a unique book for that reason, which makes it great. I, I, I don't miss everything about comics of the past. I think, by and large, the comics of today are better. Like, the the average comic is better today than the average comic of the 80s. I do think there's a stylistic change where because they are more decompressed today, because they are trying to focus on some of the, like, getting a lot of emotion through the art and getting a lot of, like, cool action beats, we miss things like this where they are just doing a hangout book for the first half. It's why things like Spider-Man doesn't have as much of a supporting cast anymore. Right. He still has a supporting cast, but it's not... It's not 50% Spider-Man dealing with a weird relationship drama plot and 50% Spider-Man punching the Green Goblin. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's that's a symptom of just the way that comics are generally made it today. Is. I mean, if you look at some of these pages, um, you know, some of the scenes with, where it's like a sleepover scene, for instance, and they're having, like, pillow fights, the the amount of text that's on that page is is so much more than you would ever see in a comic book on a monthly basis now. And I and I realize that I'm remembering the creators like Louis Simonson and Chris Claremont and Walter Simonson and Frank Miller who could do those kind of stories well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not thinking about all of the other people who did them bad. Right. <laughs> like Obviously, rem- there's, a, there's a scale. I'm self-selecting the good ones and being like, why can't... Why can't everyone just write comics like the good ones that I remember from the past? I get it. But it, it, is, it is something that's more, it's something that's missing from yeah. a lot of comics of today. Yeah, I think there's also an earnestness to this book that you don't really yes. see these days either. And uh, the fact that this goes from sort of like uh, this, this sort of like simple hangout with these kids to the, the culmination of this book is very dramatic with Alex 
basically going like nuclear on this master mold and you're not even sure willing to sacrifice himself right you know he he's... again this is not a grizzled war veteran saving saving his battalion this is a child <laughs> yeah yeah um and he looks a little fried afterwards but it's it's still played off for laughs a little bit so you do know at the end of the story that everything's okay with the cliffhanger that there is a small little bit of master mold still left hanging in the dirt um and the mysterious the end question mark in the last panel is the next time we see master mold in the uh in the outback um what comes first marvel comics presents or the outback oh no no you're right it it's marvel comics presents then it's the outback stuff and for a while we just don't mention the 12 at all it just gets completely forgotten we skip, about we skip the 12 for the entirety of the 90s yeah until alan davis is like freaking okay i guess we're gonna wrap up the 12 i guess this (laughs) that's what editorial saying they signed my checks i'm only supposed to be here for six months right guys just doing an arc and getting out no you want me here for two and a half years still sign my checks i don't know yeah alan david alan davis it it wasn't your fault man we know we know this is a spectacular issue. I know that, especially when it comes to Extinction Agenda, I've been very hard on John Bogdanoff, but I hope over the years that I have, uh, you know, showcased or at least expressed my um, my utter amazement at his talents. I'm just an Johnny incredible Bob's artist. Absolutely fantastic artist. Love Johnny Box. Yeah. Now, I think this is better than 190, Power Pack 19, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. The artwork is better. The emotional, you know, range of what happens in this issue is just fantastic. It's just such a great example of, like, a really good 80s superhero story. Um, And I, I do think it's better than the time that, you know, Artie and Leech were getting hassled by some old lady from the sewer. Okay, but Beta Ray Bill. I know, I I know, I know. But I just want to mention, Beta Ray Bill was also there. Oh, I, uh, lo- I love that Thanksgiving issue. But um, I, I love think, that I think this is better. Issue. I think this is better than Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 17 at 163. Oh, I would agree. Uh, and I love that issue. Um, it's a good issue. How high do we want to go here? Why is House of M at 143? Were we just like really into Olivier Coipel's art on that day? It's a beautiful book and maybe ranked a little too high. It's a gorgeous book. This is better than the time that the first time they fought Unis the Untouchable. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think probably okay. I know where I think I know where my limits are. Okay. 136 is Mary X-Men Holiday Special, and 137 is Cable 22, that sad airport issue. Mm-hmm. I think both of those are better, but this might be... Actually, no. This is not better... I'm looking at that part again. It's This is not better than Generation X number four, the Christmas issue of that. Yeah, that's at 140. Um... This isn't better than the Squirrel Girl issue of All New Wolverine or the Four Sisters arc. I don't know, Zach. I think it might be. I do. I mean, I'm willing to say that it's better than Four Sisters. I'm not willing to say that it's better than the Squirrel Girl issue. We're talking similar emotional beats, you know, like getting those family structures together and then still this one, I think, has the bigger payoff. I I think, you know, it's 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 a much bigger, spectacular 
uh, fight scene that we've got here. It's it's really cool. I agree. I agree, but only because the Squirrel Girl story is intentionally not doing that. No, I know. It's it's a quieter story. It's, um, it's wanting to be a small moment where Squirrel Girl gives Laura exactly what she needs at that moment. Yeah. Am I biased because our friends, the Chris's from Chris's on Infinite Earths, recently covered it? And I remembered, oh, yeah, I may, I may rightfully rag on Tom Taylor for all sorts of things. Um, but giving Wolverine a Wolverine was kind of brilliant. Well, how about we do this? Uh, I think... We're both Laura Kinney fans. Um, why don't we tuck this right under Four Sisters and make sure we're very clear this is better than House was, of M. <laughs> I was going to say above. I I was saying above Four Sisters, below the Squirrel Girl issue. That's fine too. We could squeeze it right in between them. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Right. I like I like breaking things up every once in a while. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be our new 142, and uh, that was a a really fun episode. A lot of cool stories there. I feel like people forget the power pack rules. Like I I don't know if I've read Power Pack and been like disappointed with it. Did you read did you read the Ryan North Power Pack that recently uh came out that came out this year? I have not. Is it, is it good? I like Ryan North. It's not the best Ryan North story. It's not the best Power Pack story. It struggles to find its voice a little bit, mm-hmm. but also it's very very fun and smart and Guess who shows up? Your boy and mine. Wolverine. Wolverine's in that one. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. It sounds great. Oh, I should I should conclude the show. Thank you to Jeff and Rick Presents. Uh, if you want to be like them, you can go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf for the latest and greatest in all things uh, comic books. Uh, you can get early episodes of the show that way. Uh, you can give some other stuff that way. Um, it's a fun, fun 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 place do enjoy it it keeps uh everything going on comics xf we actually had a really cool day uh christina merkler from lunar distribution who handles all of the stuff for dc as well as running uh uh, dcbs and in stock trades uh she talked to me a lot about the logistics that the comics industry is facing right now uh there was an excellent piece about the uh new hulk series that just went out a great piece on sword uh you, you you can also subscribe to the newsletter that pays for that. Adam had a piece in the newsletter complaining about Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute, is, wait a minute. <laughs> time-honored Complaining about spoiler culture, not complaining about Spider-Man. We love Spider-Man. In the same way that I also wrote something. <laughs> we have a whole series in the... Because the news the newsletter has a softer distribution than uh, the main website, I feel like we all feel way better to be like, here's my old man yells at clouds moment, <laughs> and we're willing to do that in the newsletter editorials when we wouldn't pitch it otherwise. Because I also have a thing in the newsletter from a few weeks back where I yell at, uh, yell at Spider-Man. It's great. It's just in in that good newspaper tradition. Uh, it is it is channeling J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yes. uh, but go go check all that out. Uh, go check out uh, unpacking the power pack, power of the power pack, because uh, it's really fun. And Adam, what do you got going on? Uh, you already you already plugged the the newsletter. I did. Uh, so Darn. Check, check that out. Um, you guys can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and Zach. What are we doing next week? Next week, we are going to talk about the lady of the year in the X-Books. That is, of course, Mystique. Ooh. 
and we've got some mysterious mystiques Ooh. that we're going to be uh, going to be talking about. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But until next time, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you, specifically you, survive the experience.